Well, welcome back into another episode of the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. My name is Austin. I'm one of the hosts here. And this is a place where me and my co-host, Steven, talk about some of the issues, some of the ideas, some of the questions that we've had in our lives. We're both young. We both can be dumb sometimes. And we're trying to figure out how what we experience in the church and in Christianity connects with the world that we see around us today. Specifically on today's episode, we're talking about the idea of spiritual gifts, really those supernatural experiences that we may not know how to explain sometimes, but that still occur and that people still experience today. Number one, are those legit experiences? Number two, how do we go about processing them or interpreting them? And number three, what's the point of these spiritual gifts and experiencing the supernatural in our lives today? The place that Stephen and I see as essential for starting in this discussion is specifically in this idea of humility. And we're going to unpack that more, this idea of humility in today's episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation on the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Right. That was a little sneak peek, you know, we're writing a song. <laughs> Actually, that's how it kind of really? goes. Yeah, uh, it was for part of our writer's retreat. Uh-huh. Um, Walker, who's a worship leader that Mike knows that uh, wanted to become affiliated with Bay Hope Worship, mm-hmm. um, joined us for a writer's retreat. And so we wrote that. But Mike just finished like some of the production on it. Mm-hmm. it sounds super dope. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm going to leave that in there. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sneak peek for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for all the fans behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. That There's there's really no good segue <laughs> in the topic. Um, we're just talking. Yeah, so you brought up the idea when we were when we were kind of kicking around what to talk about for this episode. Um, pastor Matthew, Matthew Hartsfield, the lead pastor here at Bay Hope, he sent us an article about, what was it? it the article was called, and I'll, I'll link it in the description, but the article was called uh methodists need a charismatic upgrade i think yeah yes by people and it was talking about it was basically kind of kicking around the question of why people in the wesleyan stream wesleyan denomination whatever you want to call it the wesleyan stream of thought don't experience the miracles Mm. that so often characterized the early some of the early methodists right um so i guess what was your background, what, your frame of mind. Why do you why do you think this is something important for us to talk about here? Sure. So, well, I think the sort of some of the points the guy was making in the article to me, it felt like um, it was what are some of the things that not even Wesleyan and non Wesleyan churches, but just like or Methodist churches and non Methodist churches, but churches that have uh, maybe a charismatic belief structure. Um, or, or a, opposed to churches that don't. Mm-hmm. And why does it feel like churches that do have a, a charismatic belief structure um, experience things that are have have to do with the supernatural so much more? Mm-hmm. And um, that's important to me a little personally. So my dad grew up in the Assemblies of God denomination. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, I don't know the ins and outs of how really that denomination came about. But to me, they feel like... Uh, organized Pentecostals, I guess, right? Um, so there was a very, very not 
not political with negative connotations, but like a hierarchy yep. structure of yeah, you know you. deacons and all that stuff. And so they they had a very solid organizational structure as a denomination, but theologically they had a bunch of charismatic practices and beliefs and stuff like that. Um, you know, where they were super big on the gifts of the spirit, speaking in tongues, um, uh, and manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were very like uh, overt, loud. Yep. And so, very discernible, very clear, very noticeable by yeah. people outside the church as well as inside the church. Yes, yes, well said. So when we would, and so my dad was a pastor for like ten years, and when we talk shop about like ministry, um, he has stories upon stories upon stories upon stories of like really really cool things that happened that he got to experience. Also, like really really scary things that mm-hmm. he uh, got to experience, but. Um, and he always attributes them to like the power of the church, the mm-hmm. power of prayer, the power of uh, being open to those sort of things, right? Going after those sort of things. Um, and as I've gotten older, my attitude has kind of shifted towards like, oh, I mean, those things happen in the Bible. So like if they happen in the Bible and like God is perfect, so he can't change, those things have to still happen. Yeah. So like, Almost, almost like in a, in a weird, weird, like open-handed way, I'm kind of like, hey, God, can you just start doing some cool stuff? Like, that'd be really cool, you know? Because um, yeah. I just want to see stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then likewise, when I was when I was younger, it used to like really be like, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're saying this stuff happens. I don't know that it does. Yeah. And I don't even know that I want it to happen because mm-hmm. that seems freaky, you know? Yeah, it seems, <laughs> it seems almost like if you, you want it to happen because you want to see it. Right. And you want to experience it because you've heard of so many other people experiencing things like this. But at right. the same time, you're like, I, I don't know yeah, if I yeah. really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think I come – so I come from a different <laughs> – I come from a very different background. Very much like very fundamentalist, very much like uh, the, the big theology word for it is cessationist. They believe like the gifts of the Spirit uh, were, were pertinent for a specific time, for mm. a specific place – didn't really carry on into the present as as i've gotten into as i've advanced in education and and really studied like church history i've come to disagree with that position mm-hmm. um but i do think that there are couple, what's the opposite it's cessationalism and i mean you, you could say continuationist continuationist uh, yeah just just some like some form of like yeah the gifts of the spirit are still the, present they carry on yeah. what's covenantalism oh that <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a rabbit trail yeah all right let's <laughs> rewind and then just go back to yeah. continuation <laughs> yeah. um so so yeah so there was i think there are two polarities that two like ends of the spectrum that people tend to fall yeah. into today either they are very very cessationist they are like, hey nothing like i don't experience it uh that's not a commonplace occurrence that's nothing I'm I'm gonna say like that that stopped today. Yeah, and I mean that takes uh and I say two and a half because that takes yeah the fundamentalist camp where that that like I grew up in experience, but also you have the academic side of things, right? Mm-hmm. The I mean the post Enlightenment philosophy, post like 18th century, where a lot of these people were starting to rationalize away miracles and saying that. Um, the miracles are just scientific occurrences that we didn't have the vocabulary for back then, but we do now. Uh-huh. So that's kind of the first camp. The second camp is just no holds bar. 
anything is possible. Uh, you just have to have enough faith. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, if yeah. you have enough faith, you will experience basically everything. yeah, you will experience everything. Right. It, it will be um and, and they kind of take that that polarity kind of takes to the extreme of saying it's gonna happen every single day. Right. Every day you're gonna wake up and some supernatural occurrence is gonna happen. Or maybe something potentially dangerous. If it doesn't happen, it's because you don't have enough faith. Right, right. Ugh. And and that's um, I, I don't I don't agree with either of those polarities. And I think most people would say no, even the people who go to a charismatic Pentecostal, whatever kind of church you want to call that, yeah. or label that um, continuationist church, even they would say like, no, no, we're not we're not over there. We're somewhere in the middle where the we claim the the gifts of the spirit that were given to the apostles. Yeah. Um, so there's a I think there's a interesting divide. Sure. But range of experiences that people go through, mm-hmm. and especially people who are more cynical by nature, who haven't experienced those things or seen them personally with their own eyes, they're going to kind of tend towards that first polarity where it's like, oh, well, it's just kind of we can rationalize it away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that that's what I, I think that's where we kind of find ourselves right now in a broad spectrum of Christian Christendom in the United States speaking, because. Overseas, I think it's a like, and around the world, it's a different story. Sure, mm-hmm. which I think that's something I wanted to touch on. I'm listening to um, the Rule of Life podcast right now, mm-hmm. which is all about practicing the way in different spiritual disciplines and stuff like that. And uh, they interview this African guy named um, Reward. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember his last name, uh, but anyways, he speaks. It's almost like he's he uses the comparison, the language of like Star Wars so often, nice. which is. It actually kind of tracks like really, really well that uh, when you don't have a tangible example, maybe, or a, a tan- like something to look to to represent like darkness, mm-hmm. it's really easy to ignore like light. Okay. So he talks about when you have like when the dark side is like very present, right? Yeah. It's really it's hard to ignore like no, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where there's there's like there's a good there, where there's good guys in the fight kind of deal. Yeah. Um. So there's like dark power and and like the, the power of light is what he calls it, whatever, which is almost yeah. synonymous with like you know all the Skywalkers and stuff. Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> uh, but he talks about like in America, like that is not something that we experience very often. You know, we have like horror movies and stuff with like The Exorcist or whatever, where it's like. Yeah, there's some darkness there, but like, I don't think people watch that movie and think I'm gonna be possessed. They watch it as like for the thrill of watching a horror movie. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. And so there's not um, this recognition of like dark powers that are working. Mm-hmm. And so then, because there's not a recognition of dark powers, there's not a pursuit of light powers. Mm, interesting. Which I was like, whoa, that's super cool. Because you think about it in African context or in uh, South American context and stuff, especially when um, like tribal life is probably still a huge part of their culture, even after it's been, even in Westernized, modernized context or whatever that are in those countries, right? Like there's still tons of, I think they're called, shoot, I took a class called, oh, sorry. Uh, I took a class about religions. I think it's called cosmological religions. Yep. yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. That all come from, they're all based off like the earth or whatever, like sky gods, tree gods, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. that, that like, that's very prominent. I mean, we, we, we'll get into that in a second, but yeah, keep going. So like, but those, those kinds of religions are 
especially in tribal contexts, are widespread all over the globe, mm-hmm. right? And so there's like a lots of like magic and curses and right. stuff that's like, oh, those those are like de- like demonic like powers, forces that are like trying to war against the well-being of humanity and mm-hmm. stuff like that to keep yeah. people captive to certain things. And so when those things are prevalent and then uh, in a society, mm-hmm. it makes it probably more important, but also easier to recognize like, no, no, there's a good guy in the fight. Yeah. Um, being Jesus. Yeah. No, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. And that's what, that, that's why I qualified specifically in the American context because mm-hmm. in the, the global South, that's what it's referred to now. And like, the academic. global south yeah global south so people basically christians in in africa or south america or southeast asia yeah 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 they yeah there's a different there's a different religious experience i would say a different awakening going on in those countries and in those parts of the world uh than what we're seeing today and a lot of people especially a lot of um i, I think a lot of pastors in in the kind of the circles that i that i'm in are are asking that question why mm-hmm. like what is going on mm-hmm. and like you said it 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 comes from a a different framework they're mm-hmm. operate pe- people over there are operating a different framework than we are right whereas we focus i mean the i i'd say tracing the developments just kind of off the top of my head throughout history the development of like individualism the development of um the industrial like the development's coming from the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. uh, starting at the end of the 19th century, going into the 20th century, and even now with the technological advancements we have, we're a very uh, tangible material culture. Yeah. You say materialistic, but I think that word gets thrown around a lot. And semantically speaking, materialism is just the tangible, right? What you can touch, what you can see, what you can, like, it's just the materials, right? Yeah. Um, I think that dude. I think your that sentence right there just like raised my IQ by three or four points. <laughs> Props. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but that I think is is one of the things that that differentiates, I guess, our religious experience in the West from um, the majority of Christendom mm-hmm. in in the global South. And I think when we talk about this, we have to keep that. Uh, that global perspective in the back of our minds, because I think we get so localized over here in like, okay, America. And we think the, uh, the religious experience of the West is the same, the rest of the world, which that's vastly different because like you said, people are coming from different cultures, different belief systems, different backgrounds, different, uh, different hierarchical structure or government structures. Um, And I think that contributes to, um, the understanding, and, and I, I would really say the interpretation of the supernatural and how we, and like you were saying, how we can often interpret that battle, that struggle between um, the powers of, of light, the powers of Christ and the powers of God, and then the powers of darkness yeah. and the rulers and the principalities of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in simple terms, kind of based on where we've been thus far, why don't you think we see the power of God here in our local con not not our local context being like Bay Hope Church, but local context being like America or Western Christianity, Western civilization? I think you touched on it a little bit, yeah. but like I, I I'd love for you to unpack that just 
hear your thoughts. So I think first and foremost are like eyes and ears aren't attuned to it. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes back to that like whole perception deal. If we perceive darkness, we're more eager to perceive light, stuff like that. Um, I think also um I think that there is something in those the global south as you referred to it, which is I didn't know it's called that. That's cool. Um there's something in the global south about uh really taking spiritual disciplines seriously. Hmm. Uh that I don't think we do here. Interesting. Um I think there is a level of uh, you might be able to define this word. I think I know what it means, but I probably couldn't define it. Define consecration for me. Consecration is the basically setting apart of something. It's just uh, it's to make something holy, to make something special. So it just means set apart. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. to make something set apart or the right. process of setting something right, apart. Right, right. And so I think like in the like the common American church, there's not a lot of consecration of the heart that happens consecration of the heart yeah well maybe that's not true there is a consecration of just the heart but not like the actual life so when you're saying heart you're saying like the the effective or the effective part so our our feelings our emotions stuff like that right not heart in the i'd say biblical and you'd say eastern sense of like heart being the seat of who we are yeah okay (laughs) Saying a lot of good things, man. <laughs> um, so, like, there's this kind of funny video. Uh, I think John Christ, who yeah. is a Christian comedian, he's, yeah. like, super famous. Everyone knows him. Um, he tells a story about how, like, because, you know, he church shops, and then yeah. part of his humor is that he makes fun of the churches that he goes to, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, great. But he talked about how, like, nowadays it's, like, too easy to get saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they give the invitation at the end of church service, and instead of, like, you know, standing up and coming up to the front and receiving prayer or something with like an altar call, a traditional altar call, which is still prevalent in some churches today, but not as prevalent and like seeker churches for people that are like very into, uh, for churches that are very evangelistic in uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's not like something that happens very often. You know, you just raise your hand or nowadays instead of, or there's like three or four different options that you can participate in. You can come up for prayer you can raise your hand you can text us yeah yeah i'm like you can text a number you yeah, can do yeah, all yeah. That. yeah yeah uh, and you can so you can essentially uh jeez that's something in my eye um you can essentially because if, if we're gonna and this is like maybe another rabbit trail but you can receive salvation and uh acceptance into the community of believers without ever actually talking to anybody in the community of believers Mm. right which is like probably not the way that it was originally intended to be um and so but he makes light of that it makes it john christ makes it funny but the um it becomes very about very individual individualistic about me um it becomes um very about very much about my feelings Hmm. And I can participate in that process without ever actually changing my behavior. Right? Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, okay, there is, yes, grace to cover a multitude of sins, all of that stuff. And, like, I'm not trying to condemn anybody by saying that. But I believe, and I've, I've learned, and I've heard, and I'm reading, and I'm, the, and, and I'm discovering that the more you consecrate yourself uh, holistically, like your your not only your feelings and your emotions, but your like 
bodily practices, your practical everyday living, the more you consecrate yourself uh, to the Lord, the more aware you are of what he is doing, Mm, right? Um, And so I think a real practical example of that is like marriage. Um, Ben Stewart, a pastor I love to listen to in Passion City, uh, at Passion City, D.C., he talks about how um, he never does anything now. And this, he hasn't tried to do this. It's just happened because he's been married for probably over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he never makes a decision now, and likewise now that it's his wife, without in some way, shape, or form considering one another. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and the reason is because of their intimacy towards one another. And obviously, you know, you know, through marriage, you learn how to communicate. You learn the habits of somebody else. Um, but like they, every decision he makes, she's in the back of his mind because every decision he makes affects her. Uh, even when she's not in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but in the context of marriage, they have set one another apart for each other. Yeah. And so when we do that for the Lord, we get to, ex- with the Lord, we get to experience that constant awareness, right? Yeah. Um, where I think, you know, on the front end, we just become more aware of him, but then we have this revelation of like, oh wait, he's like super aware of me. Right. Which is, uh, I think maybe where you get to experience the goodness of God a little bit, but then also, you know, when you're aware of what He's doing, it be, you become more aware of moves of the Holy Spirit, yeah, uh, and the activity of the Holy Spirit in a given moment. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's really strong, and I think something you said that really stuck out to me was, what is the end? What is the purpose? What is the goal of when we talk about salvation Mm. and this connects i i believe this directly connects with our discussion on the supernatural and spiritual gifts and experiencing all that because a lot of times we like you said we want the experience Mm -hmm. we are so focused on the experience of things that we forget the purpose the telos the end of salvation and that is to partake that is to i i would say and and there's this this comes from a whole i guess you could say orthodox stream of theology Mm -hmm. right so not like not like greek orthodox or russian but like eastern orthodox it's like the goal is to become like god yeah yeah yeah. it's um theosis the process of sharing in the divine life Mm -hmm. that is that is the best description of salvation that i've heard to date it's not so much transactional that God takes our sins and gives us righteousness. Yeah. Because that gets, I mean, uh, the questions that pop into my head are, okay, define sin and define righteousness. Yeah. It's being able to, like you said, be more aware of God's presence around us. Right. And that drastically changes the way you see God, the way you see yourself, and the way you see others. I think that's we've met like i know i've missed that in in my life when i when i talk about okay like what's what's the end what's the purpose the purpose and especially in experiencing the supernatural is not to just say oh i experience these gifts or i have i have yeah. the i have the gift of tongues or i have the gift of prophecy or it's the it's the gifts that everybody focuses on the, the gifts of power the gifts yeah. that exalt like oh my goodness wow he must be so spiritual he or she must be so uh, in tune with the Lord because look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like 
that may not be it. Mm-hmm. That may not be the end. The end is to become like Christ. Mm-hmm. And in my head, when I think of becoming like Christ, yes, I think of the miracles, but I think of humility. Ooh. I think of people who are not, people who kind of seep into the background. Yeah. People who are content with not having the spotlight or the gifts mm-hmm. or, or a- anything like that, but yet have a certain power in a certain power, not in the like hierarchical condescending sense, like we think of power, but power in the sense of this genuine ability to be present to the needs of others and to, to help others see who God is and where God is in any given moment. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, that you you said like a buzzword there humility um i'm reading this book right now i think it's called it's very uh overtly titled a beginner's guide to prophecy <laughs> uh because like we were saying earlier i just kind of wanted to learn more and experience uh some of these things and i think correct me if i'm wrong so in the fundamentalist camp that you were raised like they would say prophecy if it exists at all is just scripture that applies to your life if I a, a scripture comes to mind that I feel like it applies to your life, I tell you I had the gift of a prophet or something like that. More or less, yeah. Or it's or they just reject the the gift of prophecy and they see it solely as prediction. So prediction about future events. Sure. Which that's a very I, I think reduced view of prophecy. Yeah. That, that's not what prophecy is, but that that's what that's kind of what they would say. So prophecy is basically just in that camp, it's just the Bible. It's just okay, right, yeah. right, right. But then in the, at the other end of the spectrum, um, oftentimes it happens is like some ambiguous phrase that like could apply to a hundred people, but you're looking at one person, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> have you ever heard? <laughs> have you ever heard? Uh, so Tito is a bass player in the worship band. Have you ever heard him talk about uh, some of his experiences, uh, like no, growing up in? Um, so. Uh, and it kind of happens. So I'm. So my mom's family is all Puerto Rican, yeah. and they uh, like Hispanic church. Regardless of denomination, is always, always more a little more charismatic than like white people church, right? Yeah. Um, and so he tells stories about going to church in New York, where he would have somebody. Somebody would go to preach, mm-hmm. and they would just be like, "Somebody here, you're running from something." You know, it's like. All right, cool. Like there's probably half the room at any given point is running from something. You know, you got to be a little more specific than that for uh, a lot of people to believe like, hey, this word that you're receiving is from the Lord, you know, but he obviously tells a much funnier story. Um, but the, uh, the the other end of the spectrum, they'd say, well, yeah, it has to be proven by scripture, but it can be um, a, a prophecy for somebody or with somebody can be... Um, like a word of knowledge about mm-hmm. their life, something that they're going through. Uh, a, a few buddies, a few buddies of mine, they use the expression, man, that guy just read my mail, you know? Cause like he told me, it's like the woman at the well told me everything I had ever done and we didn't have a conversation um, or we had never had a prior conversation. So I am reading this book and the, one of the foundational chapters is that like in order to experience gifts of the spirit, you have to have a humble heart. Mm. because it is evident all over scripture that the Lord favors the humble. Mm. Um, and the, not only does the Lord favor the humble as far as other people, but the, like the key 
like you're saying, the key trait of Jesus was humility. Mm-hmm. The in the scripture in Philippians two, humbled himself, mm-hmm. took the lowly position of a slave, um, and you know, bore the way of the cross for you and me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to how how early Christians, like people who lived right around the time of Jesus, the distinguishing factor who they saw Jesus as was not so much a, a powerful person, right? Like it, they, they recognized that he was all powerful, mm. that he was God. But the fact that, like, like you said, Philippians 2, that is, that's a, the Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that's actually an early like hymn or song or little prayer about who Jesus is. Mm. And the distinguishing factor about that is his humility. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that he was God, but he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped at for himself, Mm -hmm. right? Instead, what did he do? He emptied himself, and he took on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself unto death, even the death of a cross, which was the most humiliating thing anybody could have done. So I think for us, it's, in a sense, it's we have to right-size that perspective. When we talk about experiencing the supernatural, we have to right-size our... I guess our perception of, and we have to analyze in ourselves. We have to ask ourselves the question, why? We have to ask ourselves, why do, why do I want to experience this? Do I, is it because I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on something or is mm. it because, um, I, I genuinely want to, I want to become more like Christ. Mm. I want to, I, I want to allow Christ's image to take shape in me mm-hmm. so that it's no, like, like Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, it, it, when we talk about kind of like shifting perspective, I think that's the essential thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing we, we have to come back to. We have to wrestle with. Yeah. It's the recognition that you're not like the strongest guy in the room. Right. Um, or the smartest mm-hmm. um, or whatever, like the, whatever your pride is choosing for you in that moment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think also kind of, kind of bouncing back to that question that we asked a little while ago, like why don't we experience the supernatural today? I would argue and say, I think we do. Okay. I just think we, (laughs) I I think it it gets back to the way that God, God works and the way that Mm -hmm. God moves. I think that God does work. He can and does work through natural means yeah. that, that do have an explanation. Yeah. Doesn't make it any less miraculous just because we, we can, we can explain the process of it. I think God is working in through all things. Yeah. Right. He's, um, everything attests. So the natural world specifically attests to his, his existence and his glory and his power and his presence. Um, do, it doesn't mean that God is in like a tree or, or anything like that. that. That's a whole stream of thought. But um, I think what we call miracles or what we've come to call as miracles specifically in our society today are, yeah, like super, super, like crazy miracles. It doesn't make the things that people hundreds of years ago called miracles any less miracles. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if somebody like, if somebody walks and has a a terminal illness, 
and then they or not a terminal illness but something very like a very serious illness or disease and it's it's cured through um treatment i think that is a miracle in and of itself i think that is something god is working in and through that treatment right it may not be like a super like an instantaneous like yeah oh I, but doesn't mean that that's not a miracle right like the whole idea of like modern medicine being a uh a miracle in and of itself something like that right yeah i i the, that makes me think of um i was talking to carmen mendoza who's a volunteer here at church and she was telling me that like uh i can't remember we some high school boys on a student retreat started talking about you know girls and stuff like that um and then about like growing up and you know one day getting married and having kids and the whole deal mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she's a nurse. She was talking about how childbirth is a miracle in and of itself. Modern medicine yeah. um, is, has drastically influenced or drastically changed the way that childbirth happens. Yeah. And like now the vast majority of, especially in like the Western world, the vast majority of pregnancies go at, like as a, a regularly scheduled program. Yeah. Um, before one third of the women that gave birth used to like, die mm. which is like and that's like this is like uh a little over 100 years ago that this was the case mm-hmm. which is insane yeah like insane so like to have kids was a huge huge health risk yeah i i would yeah i would i think that i i think that's a really good i guess way to look at it i think it's a really good example of uh kind of what we're talking about, God working through natural, explainable means. It doesn't mean it's not God, or it right. doesn't make it any less right. God working. Right. Um, also, I think the biggest thing as well, so we have the, yeah, like, again, redefine, like, what is a miracle? Historically and comparatively speaking, yeah, we have a lot of miracles around us today. Um, but specifically in the church, recapturing and, and teaching I think, and this is going back to that article that uh, Pastor Matthew sent us, um, teaching that miracles do happen, mm-hmm. that there are going to be things that we cannot explain, that's, mm-hmm. that de- even sometimes defies science. And it's those times we have to teach ourselves and we have to teach others that, hey, those times it is God working. It is God moving. And and again, those miracles, they point us to Christ. Mm-hmm. They point us back to who Christ is and what Christ wants to do in us. It's not about, it's it really and truly, it's not about the, the miracles or the healings. And that that's great. But it's kind of, what is God healing you for? Mm-hmm. Not so much, um, not so much, okay, I'm just going to, like you said, it's not something Stephen or Austin can do, right? But it's something that God is working in yeah. and through yeah. us to to help other people know who He is as well. And I'm reminded of something in like that act that article is uh, that it's not just teaching that these things happen, but it's back to that consecration thing. Yeah, it's the I was thinking the that too. church leadership really taking uh, those things seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not even moves of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit seriously, but r- more practical, practical than that, taking 
fasting seriously, taking prayer seriously, yeah. taking uh, like evangelism seriously, uh, acting in a way uh, or living. <laughs> I heard somebody say some uh, one time like, "There's like, is your life worth the faith that you claim to have?" Hmm. Which is like, do you do things that actually require you to like have faith that like God's there yeah. and He's gonna uh, intervene or whatever. Yeah. Um, which it, which is like a challenging and convicting statement, mm-hmm. um, but it's it. Uh, if we trace it back to you know John Wesley, it, there was um, like manifestations of the Spirit that happened very often. Mm-hmm. But you talk about when you think when you think of who John Wesley was. There's that old saying like in his house. I think is a museum now. You can see in his prayer closet like the indentations where his knees were mm-hmm. every morning in the wood oh. floor which is like insane right so like you have to not only over a long period of time every day but probably for hours at a time in order to even think to imprint mm-hmm. uh permanently in like wood flooring or whatever which is crazy and then also there is um the 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 pursuit of um i think pastor matthews talked about this uh like john wesley was really good at loving and discipling people mm-hmm. yep. and setting up methods which were the methodist denomination comes from and like there's another prominent pastor that like was really good and evangelical but like he didn't retain anybody i'm not mm-hmm. sure in that time mm-hmm. is, is george whitfield is that is that yep. the right guy mm-hmm. a push man <laughs> i remember if <laughs> u.s history um, but yeah, but it's like, it's that whole idea of, um, being humble and embodying Christ, but also like taking your relationship with him incredibly seriously yep. to where your whole life becomes like, you know, something that's consecrated to the Lord. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Now, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and follow us. Listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.